Welcome to the Arbor Vitae podcast promoting virtue in woodworking. Today, we have the distinct pleasure of interviewing Todd Klippinger of the American Craftsman Workshop. Um, Todd, it's great to have you with us. Hey, it's great to be with you. I just took a picture for Instagram. Yeah, I should be doing the intro. (laughs) (laughs) I should do the same thing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is fantastic. Um, we have uh, we have a few questions lined up, um, and so I'm I'm really excited because I have a feeling a lot of our well hopefully a lot of our listeners are already familiar with you, um, but if not, hopefully this is going to be the sort of kick in the pants that they need to subscribe to you and listen <laughs> to what you have to say. So, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, like how you got started, um, what your work is, what you like to do, what do you consider yourself? Sure. Uh, well, my name's Todd Klippinger. For those that don't know me, my name's Todd Klippinger, and I have a um, my website is AmericanCraftsmanWorkshop.com, and I've been um, uh, I am a professional woodworker. I'm a professional. Actually, I'm a registered contractor in Montana, and I do pro work from my shop. I actually make my living from my shop. So, like for instance, right now I'm building a black walnut dining uh, table for um, some clients that I've worked for before. And uh, um, I actually uh, turned a dollar doing what I love, building furniture or built-ins or whatever. I don't remodel so much anymore. Um, I've, had, I've had some health issues with that. So my work has moved almost exclusively to the shop, but also doing some install. So my that's one part of my world. And the other part of my world is I, I share a lot through the social media, especially Instagram, and um, I'm posting stuff as I work on my projects. I'm posting constantly. Mm-hmm. So, and that's all under American Craftsman Workshop as well. Yeah, that's that's fascinating stuff to look at. I mean, it, it's we'll get into it more later. But I'm just constantly amazed at like not only are you making all these cool things and doing all these cool projects, but you're telling people about them too. And you know, you're taking the time because that adds time. I remember one of your oh, one of your posts yeah. uh, recently. You were talking about how you know the difference in time between doing a project without filming anything or, or you know taking yes. pictures and stuff, and then yeah, uh, when you actually take the time yeah. to do that. Yeah, exactly. It does, and I I just can't help myself. I try to moderate my I do try to moderate what I share because it does take time. But I am because I'm self employed, and uh, you know I work long hours, anyways. What's it matter if I take five minutes to to post and then answer a few questions, you know, and, and make a post about what I'm working on? And if I do that two or three times a day, is it really that big a deal? Sure. But, you know, video production wrecks my bottom line every time. <laughs> it's yeah, the social media is easy and it's fast. So that's been the go to lately. Nice. Well, we're very thankful for that. <laughs> well, cool. Does any of that have to do with like, have you found Instagram being a more engaging social media platform or more enjoyable than YouTube or others? You know, Instagram really is extremely enjoyable. It's been one of the best platforms. Um, the, the, the way people behave on the different platforms and, and through, you know, even including um, forums is it's, it's so different from, from platform to platform, it's it's kind of interesting how the behavior is. But Instagram has definitely been the best. And actually, a lot of it even has to do with the fact I'm operating on an old iPhone 4S. 
And it's one of the few apps that actually still functions reasonably stable <laughs> because the new, true. a lot of the apps, they just crash my phone. So, sure, yeah. uh, so, so I have very little on my phone and Instagram currently still works. So once in a while I'll drop off for a couple of days. And what happens is Instagram will do an update and my, it won't work with my phone for a few days. So (laughs) once in a while, if I drop off, it's because I can't even communicate with anybody anymore. (laughs) Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what do you consider yourself a woodworker, a craftsman, a contractor or has it evolved over time? You know, uh, that is a really interesting question. I get that a lot from guys. And a lot of times people are asking me that question because it's other guys that are small, small shops like myself uh, or somebody going pro. And they're kind of trying to figure out how to identify themselves. So that that helps with their marketing and, you know, and how they want to present themselves to the public. Sure. And, um, uh, you know, what I tell people is uh, that I'm a chameleon because <laughs> because honestly, I, I honestly and legitimately fulfill all the roles. I am a woodworker. I am a craftsman. I am a contractor. And, you know, um, if I'm talking to somebody who wants remodel work, I talk to them as a contractor because they want to know that they're talking to a competent, you know, contractor and business, legit business that will take care of their home. If somebody wants built-ins, I'm not going to talk to them as a contractor. I'm going to talk to them as a cabinet shop. And, you know, the, the fact is most of the people locally, it, when it comes to the clients, they know who I am anyways, because I have a pretty good reputation in my community where I'm at. So um, in the last three years, everybody that I've worked for, I've either worked for them before or I've worked for their friends and they've seen my work and I've already met them and they know who I am and they know what I do. So they understand the broad range of what I offer. Um, but you know, then there's the online world. And when I'm talking to woodworkers, I talk woodworking. Um, and if you look at my portfolio at my website, I mean, you can see that my, my work's hitting a high mark and I can honestly say that I'm a craftsman. Mm-hmm. Um, I also can add artists to the list because I actually am a juried artist based on my designs and my craftsmanship. Wow. And um, I have shown. That's awesome. Yeah. So I've shown in museum settings and art galleries. And and then also with that experience and I'm plugged into my local community of artists, I can also say that I function as an artist. So it kind of depends on the level of creativity and artistry that's brought into the project. Um, I, you know, I can say that I'm actually a functional artist as well. Wow. But I guess maker might be the only one that I may be getting on the skin of my teeth because I don't use Arduinos. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. So if I have to use an Arduino, then no, I'm not a maker, but well. if that means that I, you know, I wield my skills with multiple mediums like wood metal and other products, then yes, I'm a maker. So, um, uh, I, you know, I think, you know, I understand what a maker what that term encompasses, but I, you know, feel like it's kind of the new buzzword and, and, you know, and it is kind of a good term actually, because it does encompass more of the electronics too, because I personally, for years before the term maker came up, I always termed, I always said that I'm a creative Hmm. Uh, and the people that I surround myself with, they are creatives and a creative is not bound by anything in particular, 
we we tend to work in a certain medium, uh, largely most of us that I know, we, we're actually making our living somehow with our hands, so be it wood metal or whatever, but we're not necessarily bound by that. And we're uh, we're just as, you know, we're just as likely to use hand tools as a CNC or willing to accept and embrace that as well. So uh, for years, I've always just said, you know, uh, we're the creative type, therefore we are creatives. Nice. So I like it. Yeah. But I know that people do, you know, they're interested in the titles because it does help them understand what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the, but the titles can also kind of restrict uh, the the view that people have of you. So if, if, if for people that are setting up, you know, kind of getting going, it's going to take a little bit of time to build a portfolio, a diverse portfolio to show the range of work that you do, because that's going to help define, you know, define you to the public. You know, they, they might go to your website and see your gallery page and think, oh, he's just a cabinet maker. Oh, geez, look, he's done all these sculptures. Okay. Oh, man. Oh, this guy's got a lot more game going on than I ever thought. <laughs> you know, so it's going to help define, you know, there's this concept. Okay, name, American Craftsman Workshop. Well, what is that? And then it starts to become defined by it's defined by the initial impact of the words, but then it's further defined and and the the is is refined by the view of you of that is refined by when people start seeing my portfolio as well, which is fairly diverse. So it's really interesting to look at all of those different labels and what they what they mean to you as as an individual, as a creative, but also to your clients never, I guess, really thought about that. Right. Um, but that certainly does have an impact because a lot of any kind of business, it's, it's a matter of, do I trust the individual to, to deliver and create what I want them to create? And if I don't trust them, I'm not going to want to give them my business. And it's hard to trust you if you don't have evidence to suggest that you're qualified to do that kind of work. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, how I present myself. And, and of course, I never misrepresent myself. If I don't, if I can't do something, you know, I'm pretty clear about it if, if the job's not a good fit for me. So, mm-hmm. um, but but I am a contractor and I, I do have a pretty diverse range of skills. And I also have people I am not against. I am absolutely, because I'm a contractor, I'm used to subbing things out as well. So the great thing is, one of the things I think is very important to point out, I really hope people get the message. They see I have surrounded myself with a lot of other craftsmen and artisans, and I try to highlight them in my feed because I want, you know, I have a lot of Internet friends, but they're nothing like the connection is not exactly the same as the people that I have surrounded myself with that I can go have lunch with that I actually can work with at times. And I use these people and we've worked together. I've worked with uh, Melissa Burns, the wood burning artist. She does amazing work and, and wood burning is because she provides that and she's built a reputation, you know, and I'm working with wood and then somebody wants it burnt and, you know, then, then I'm, I'm installing, uh, you know, finishing out a restaurant and she's burning, you know, logos and, you know, whatever all over the, the restaurant. So, and, and the tables that I built. So um, uh, my metal guys, I can do metal, but I just don't engage it a whole lot because uh, the fact is there are other guys that are fully set up and equipped and I can get more done, obviously, if I rely on them 
while I'm working on one part, they can work on the other part and it's done at the same time. Otherwise I work on, you know, I, let's say I have to do the wood part for this week and then do the metal part the next week when it could be all done in one week. So, and then I'm never, I never cut them out. You know, I'm always like, yeah, you know, Travis from Iron Ox or, or uh, Andy from Iron Ox or Travis from Ringing Anvil Forge. You know, these are the guys that I'm proud to promote and, and hold these guys up and say, you know, look at these great craftsmen. When we work together as a team, there's a lot of us here. Um, always trying to promote the, the other artists and craftsmen around me. It sounds like that helps you, though, build more, or I guess it really helps expand your, your reach because you're not limited to your own skills. You're really only limited to the skills in your creative community, right. which is going to be a lot larger than your own. Right, exactly. You know, I, I really do feel this. Uh, I was given a certain get, set of gifts and talents and skills, and somebody else was given another set. And, you know, I can I only have so much time. There's only so much I can do. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's pretty neat to think about how we're each of us is kind of blessed with a different set of skills. And and realistically, you can only do so much. So you learn to work together and. And uh, I think that's um, it's a great way to build community, build relationships. And and it does. It broadens the scope of what we're able to provide. So awesome. Definitely. That's that's incredible. Um, So how do you if if you had to describe it, how does virtue play a part in your work? Um, And, you know, we've sent you, you know, a couple of the topics that our fam- our uh, <coughs> listeners would be familiar with from our previous episodes. Um, but you don't have to restrict it to those just virtue in general. How does that yeah. fit into your work? I think, um, I think what's kind of neat is, you know, ever since I got into the trades, one of the things that was always um, one of my goals was to not be the butt crack contractor was to, <laughs> to, to raise the bar and bring back the meaning of craftsmen back into craftsmanship. We all appreciate yeah. that. And, and so, you know, even as I, when I left my job at Costco and I got into the trades, I was like, I'm going to raise the bar. Mm-hmm. I want it because, you know, you always hear about, Oh, there's this great craftsman. He could do everything. You know, he could do the concrete, he could do the framing. And of course I started out as a handyman and a contract or a, more rough carpentry type stuff than before I became a, you know, I grew my skills. Sure. And so I advanced in what I was able to do. So I didn't start out in fine woodworking, of course, by any means right off the bat, because, because I had zero, I had zero experience and skills when I started. I literally, when I left, yeah. When I left Costco, I had no experience, no prior experience, period, no (laughs) skills, period. And, and I was just, I was just burnt out at Costco. I packed my bags and left and I, I bought an old pickup (laughs) truck, some cheap tools and a couple of DIY books and started doing handyman work. (laughs) That's awesome. So, so yeah. And, 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 um, but I was really driven. One of the thoughts, you know, with my upbringing and just a certain amount of integrity that I have within me anyways, I was like, you know, I want to be that guy that 
oh, there was this craftsman that, and he, he and his brother, they built all the houses up and down in the street or in this block or whatever. And they could do, they could do the framing and they did all this, the beautiful built-ins here. And I was always in awe of that, you know? Well, um, when I first started, I kind of had that concept in my mind. So I kind of wanted to raise the bar. I wanted to bring integrity to it and find and be that fine craftsman. But one of the guys that had the most, the biggest impact on me, I, I started seeing him on, I started getting these jobs under other contractors and I wasn't an employee and I, I was with them part time. And then, you know, they'd use me as needed and then I'd do my own thing and whatever. So, so I, this one old guy though, I kept seeing him show up on job sites and he was really crotchety old guy too. <laughs> and everybody steered clear of him, but he did like really nice built-ins and trim work. He was a master trim carpenter and, and he had that old leathery face, you know, and and um, uh, everybody just steered clear of him. It, and, and one day I was standing behind him and he could just tell I was back there. <laughs> and he goes, what do you want? And uh, I said, uh, I'm kind of like, uh, well, your work is always so great, you know? And he goes, he didn't even turn around. He just kept working. He was hanging some crown molding. And he just goes, always let your work be your signature. And that was the only time the guy ever spoke to me. And that was so profound. Let your work be your signature. Wow. And that, that was, you know, when you think about it, that is virtuous. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because that covers it all. You can say, well, it's very vague. It's not even specific, but the fact is this, can you put your signature on it? Is your work, your signature? Are you proud of it? Are you proud of the way of the job that you did? Did you do the best you could do? Did you take care of the customer the best that you could? Mm -hmm. It's that simple. And this was years before, literally, before I ever heard of the craftsman motto, um, what is it, to the best of my ability. Wow. You know, is, mm -hmm. is the craftsman's motto. And I'm like, I heard this, you know, years before I even heard of that. And that motto, though, it was the guiding principle for my business. You know, I wanted to bring a better experience to people. And it's one of the biggest reasons I never grew my business to I've tried growing and including some employees. But the fact is, I start losing control. I, you know, then I'm not doing the work. And, and, and there's just a loss of um, quality control. It's very difficult. And, and, and then I'm dragging people along because also along with that, you know, when you see good work, people think that good work is also associated with, you know, working slowly. And the fact is it's not, it's right. like I'm marrying fine craftsmanship, but man, I'm banging it out, you know, <laughs> and I'm dragging guys, come on faster. Let's go. Let's go. You know, it's like, well, I can't do a nice job if I don't slow down. Well, I'm doing a great job and I'm running. You need to run faster. We're not going to make any money. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, my shop's very efficient. I'm very, you know, I'm skilled. I'm efficient and I do really nice work, but um, you know, I also have to make money. So I'm, I'm trying to marry all those things, but let your work be your signature is my guiding principle in all that I do. And, and I hope that it shows, you know. Oh, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. Like, I I don't think I could scroll down your Instagram feed and find a single picture or video that does not speak that out. You know what I mean? It's, I think yeah. it's apparent to, to anyone who looks at it, so. Yeah. And it's definitely great advice and great 
virtuous advice because it's putting your work ahead of you as an individual. In other words, like put your ego aside. Right. What you, what you produce is 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 the value that you're bringing, not you personally. Mm -hmm. Right. And exactly because hopefully that work lives on beyond exactly. you, it's bigger than just you. It's Man. it's the value that it brings to your to your customer. Yeah, you're getting into legacy because I think about that a lot. Yeah. Because the the things that I'm building are well going to outlast me, mm -hmm. you know, um, that with what I'm doing, because not only are they, they, they built well, they're also nice enough in design that somebody's not, somebody else is probably going to buy the house and just want to tear it out. Cause, it'll, cause I've, I've replaced a lot of built-ins and, and done a lot of, th I'm like, what, who, you know, it, 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 it any given point in time in history, who thought that was a good job? <laughs> that is hideous. <laughs> that is so horrible. <laughs> And I'm like, and somebody got paid to do that. And it's been there for 30 years. <laughs> so, yep. you know, I'm trying to bring a higher level of design and craftsmanship to the home. You know, one of the, one of the cool things too, is one of my goals, and this is, this is really when you start hitting good design. When, when I'm working on, I work on a lot of old houses. That's, that's where my, my forte has been. I've done new construction. I've done a lot of different things. I always like working on old homes built in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and that they, they got a lot of that craftsman style, the built-ins and stuff. And and I will do some built-ins like in the entryway or wherever. And the clients get really excited and they want to have their friends come over and look at it. And they'll come in and they'll go, you know, and I'm doing built-ins. So a lot of times I'm repairing walls and we're doing new paint as well. And so I'll, I'll kind of tear apart one end of the room, do the built-in. And then when we caulk and paint everything in, people will come in and they're like, well, they see fresh paint on everything, but they're not sure. But was this already, was this here or is this new or was that, was that it? No, and you know, when, when people aren't sure when it looks like it belongs and like it was always part of the original intent of the house, then, you know, you nailed good design. So, um, right. you know, I, I think when, when you hit that level of design, I guess the thing is, and, and it's built well and properly, not only will it last, but it's, it's it, aesthetically it will last and people will want to keep it um, too. That's true. That's fantastic. So how did you get into uh, switching gears a little bit? How did you get into social media? I mean, is it kind of a something recently or where did, where did that start and how did it evolve? Well, it really started, you know, I, I got my first computer like in 2000, towards the end of 2006. And, and, and I kind of got online right at the end of 2006, 2007. And actually, um, I, I, had, I didn't even find the forums till like 2000, right at the beginning of 2007, when I kind of started figuring out the computer. But um, um, uh, somebody, somebody saw my pictures that I, I actually had set up a website to, to be a portfolio for potential clients. Somebody from like Lumberjocks, Lumberjocks kind of used to be, you know, the place to go. And, right. and, and, um, it is. Yeah. So if you look, that is where I initially got started in way back in the beginning, it was on Lumberjocks and it was like in 2007. So I'm coming, I'm just coming up on 10 years that ago that I started at Lumberjocks. And I, I don't, I don't really participate in the forums anymore. They're harder to get on. I, I can't get in the house and get on the computer to share like I can from my phone. Uh, 
you know, real quick with Instagram. And the nature of the forums has changed quite a bit uh, as well. But the forums really do kind of help. The forums really have a nice place for sharing long form information because, right. you know, you can go much more in depth. It's a little bit more set up for that. And you, but you got to get on the computer, you know. And so, so really, it, it there's, you know, as we've seen the evolution of how we, we communicate and how we interact, it's kind of gone from forums to social media because social media simply made it so easy to do it quickly from your phone, no matter where you're at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the forums, you got to go in the house or go at home and then get on the computer and upload the pictures and then, you know, then format them, size them, and then upload them into the platform. And, you know, it seems very lengthy compared to Kabam. I just took a picture with my IG app, I type it out, post, and I'm done, you know. (laughs) So what impact has that had on your, either your business or just your skill sets or your, you know, generally your career as a, as a, as a woodworker? You know, it, I've never sold anything through any, um, it, you know, cause I live in two worlds. I live in locally. I'm a contractor and, and, and custom shop serving clients Right online. You're getting a peek at that, but I've developed this following that I'm sharing with. And, so I'm just dumping out all this information and, um, you know, I've never clients don't care that I'm online. They don't even know that I'm online. They don't know anything about Instagram for the most part. They yeah. follow their grandkids on Facebook once in a while because the family, because <laughs> they don't come over enough and that's kind of it, but they don't, they don't, they're two separate worlds that, the, the woodworkers and the makers that are watching me on Instagram are peeking into my real world here, but this world here is not looking back out the other way. They don't care. Interesting. And I've never sold a single project through because of Instagram or Facebook or even, okay. or even secondhand circuitously through that route. Now I have sold, I have sold work where people have put in search words on Google, found my website, looked at my work, and then hired me long distance. And I've sent work out to, uh, I've done a couple projects that I sent out to New York. Uh, one was to, um, uh, a few years ago, I did a shaker bench and sent to the uh, executive producer for PBS in New York City. Wow. And nice. yeah. And then I got, um, the other one was a guy, He he's a Grammy award winning studio producer. And in fact, he won a Grammy when I was working for him for uh, his work on uh, Vampire Weekend. And um, he needed some specialty holders for his studio gear. And neither of these guys know each other. They just found me on, they searched something. I came up, they checked out my work and they're just like, I'm hiring the guy. So yeah, So, so I've got work through, Google searches and find people finding my work, but I've never got work in it or sold anything because of social media. So social media has just simply been the fast, easy way for me to share and dump out all the knowledge. I'm just freaking brimming with this stuff, man. It's like spilling <laughs> yeah. out of me because where do I put it? Right. So it, the problem is it's just like pouring out of me and I can't get it out fast enough. So I'm using, I'm using social media. You know, I mean, I've got I've got 19 years experience at this point and it's just pouring out of me. So, well, we're certainly great. Yeah, that that makes yeah. it almost cooler because it means that 
really the only reason you're doing social media is to share with us. like it doesn't have an impact on your business it doesn't you no. know drive traffic or anything it's just no. you know you want to share and you're you're giving generously of your time so that's that's incredible thank you yeah yeah so there, there's no strategy there <laughs> it's just put it out there. i don't <laughs> you know when people start talking about strategies and stuff you know well what's your strategy you know for increasing i, I don't have a strategy I don't care. Mm -hmm. I literally don't care. I put out, I don't care if it's YouTube videos. Literally. I don't care if it's you. I hope people watch. Mostly. I don't hope people watch. I just simply hope people get value out of it. That they find my experience that I'm sharing. You know, I just hope they find it helpful. Period. I don't care if I've got, I don't care that I've only got 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. I don't care if I had 20,000 or 200,000. The bottom line is all I wanted to do is I got all this stuff welling up inside me and I want to share it. And a lot of that comes from the fact that there were a handful of guys locally because I learned before, I want to say I learned before the computer. I learned before I bought a computer. Sure. So, so I had Fair enough. Yeah. Go back and my damn you from the computer. <laughs> yeah. So when when I learned when I got in the trades, you know, you bought a book or a magazine. So you know, Journal Light Construction uh, was my magazine, and you know, I, I I was around a lot of other contractors, and I I looked at my home DIY books, mm-hmm. and that's how I did it. And I started seeking out by reputation. I'd hear about these other guys and I'd go pastor them and they'd share and I'd get a little bit of information from them. So, you know, because because they tolerated me and none of them were online, of course, none of them. So so this is the way information was shared now with the Internet and especially with social media. It's simply a quick and easy way. I'm bringing you literally right to my shop or right to any project. And showing these tidbits, these little gold nuggets of information that, you know, there they are. I'm just put, I'm throwing them out there and you can pick them up. And if you like it, you can munch on it or you can just throw it down and say, you know, it's horrible. I hate it. So I don't care. (laughs) I don't want anybody to follow me that doesn't like the information that I share. I just don't care. I don't want you to be there if you don't like it. And then, you know, I never ask people. Oh, you like my, you know, like my page. I never ask anybody to like my stuff or anything. You either do or you don't. And I'm not, that's it. That's my strategy. Nice. <laughs> I don't care. That's an easier strategy. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. It's very uncomplicated. <laughs> well, I was going to, I was going to ask what your approach was to social media. And I, I don't think that the two are mutually exclusive. I don't think you have to have a strategy to have an approach to social media, but like when, True. when you, when you get ready to post something or when you're working and you think, Hey, this would be a good thing to post. Like, do you have like a process or any, any like kind of personal guidelines that you follow? Yeah. I go, Oh, oh, I should post this. Oh no, 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 not yet. I just posted. I should post. Oh geez. It's only 30 minutes. Last one. I don't know. People are going to be annoyed that if I post all this today, Uh, okay. I'm not going to post for two more. Uh, I just, Okay, in two more hours, I could do another post. <laughs> Man, I should post this. Oh, I can't post it. I got to keep working. I got to stay focused here. Keep working. Man, this is good stuff. I should post this too. Crap. What is it? It's only an hour. I got another hour to go before I can post again. 
That's my process. Inside the mind right. of Todd. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get any work done if I keep posting. Maybe what, they're going to be annoyed. What you need is you need like a live webcam in in your your shop so that you can just be yeah. talking out loud and be like, so this is how you do the blah blah blah, and people can just tune in when they want. Yeah, and yeah. You never have to worry about yeah. it. <laughs> so that's sort of my approach. My approach simply is, yeah, I'm like. I do try to keep from posting too much in a day. You know, I like, I'm like, uh, you know, I'd like to post this at least once a day. Mm -hmm. And I think two or three times is, is not bad. But at the same time, I do find myself throughout the day. I'm like, oh man, this is, this is gold. This is, ah, I should just record this and post it later. Wait. And then I'm like, man, if I recorded everything to post later, I'd have half a dozen things or seven or eight things <laughs> and then they'd start piling up because I'm not releasing them fast enough. <laughs> right. But once in a while you'll see, you know, if I'm working late, you might get, you know, like four posts, you know, from 10 o'clock till 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my mind is spinning all the time. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, it's no surprise that, you know, we, there's so many that draw inspiration from what you're sharing. Where do you get your inspiration either, you know, from the past or, you know, even today? As far as, well, I guess you need to be more specific. Inspiration, well, inspiration for, for your work, for my work. Oh yeah. You know, I guess at a certain point, at a certain point, I just have all these ideas in my head and I've seen a lot over the years and clients are saying, you know, here's what we need. And I, you know, we kind of like this and they'll show me something and I'll say, okay. And I'll kind of mesh with, okay, well, here's what your house looks like. This is what's going to look better with it. Or like that. If, if, if you remember not too long ago, I just built a sofa table mm -hmm. and yes. it kind of had the this yeah. tapered, you know, curved legs, reverse, reverse tape. Well, well anyways, cool yeah, table. it was like, okay. So when, when I, I did a, one of the first loft remodels ever done in Billings downtown was the, was the loft that I did for these people back 15 years ago. Oh, wow. So, so I had done a huge amount of remodel for them and they owned this commercial building, this old historic commercial building downtown, the Montana power building. It's a beautiful, beautiful building, piece of architecture, gorgeous building. And we took the, the fifth floor or the sixth floor, however, I can't remember if, it's five or six, but we took the top floor, the back half, and we turned it to like 3,000, 3,500 square feet, turned it into their loft apartment. And we kept a lot of the historic nature of it. So what's cool is I, I remodeled a lot of the offices through that building through the years. And, and they, they, I hadn't actually worked for them maybe the last five years, six years. And they called me and they just said, hey, we're getting a new couch and we want a sofa table. And we decided we wanted a Todd Clippinger. And I'm like, sweet. <laughs> so I ran down Love there. It. Yeah. I'm like, I dropped everything and I ran and I talked to them and they said, you know, we were thinking maybe some reclaimed wood and, you know, everybody's all about reclaimed wood right now. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of that too. And, um, and I'm just like, man, I got the, I got an idea. I got an idea. So I sketched something out and um, uh, I showed it to them and they were like, that looks great. I said, do you want to go pick out materials with me? And uh, the wife couldn't go, but the guy's like, yeah, I can go with you. You know, so the next day we went and we picked out materials and uh, I said, here's what, here's what I was thinking. 
you know, for this part, probably the stuff in this pile would probably work best. And, you know, for the top, maybe this, these two piles over here, if we look and we picked through the materials together and it was neat because it really, it really happened very organically. And I literally had to kind of, and, it, and it's something that I call material, it's interpretation of materials. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to start interpreting those materials and, 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 and figuring out what was the best way to use them. So, um, that it literally was make it up as you go. And that was truly a piece of me that they got. There was, cause typically built-ins have to fit the house. They have to fit the space. They have to fit the color scheme. They have to fit the style of the house, you know, and that table was just truly openly a piece of me. And it was just, it was just the most beautiful thing. Wow. That was, so it sounds like though, a lot of your maybe earlier work as a, you know, a built-in carpenter, a lot of the design work really was inspired by and driven by the architecture of the space you were building in. Absolutely. Yeah. So that actually is the best point too, because in an accurate statement, because the first place I get my cues for design is the, the architecture of the home, mm -hmm. you know, and the existing space. And I kind of ignore their furniture and colors too, because really the architecture of the house drives what what's being attached to it right, right you know right um they want to put in you know something modern and, and you know whatever they're buying at the store whatever but but yeah the architecture is the the, the first driving factor because i want it's funny because when i've dealt with a lot of designers and the first thing they want to do is put their thumbprint and they want to do the burgundy wall or something, the accent wall. And they want to do this stuff. They're like, they're on HGTV and they want to kind of go to extremes. And I'm like, you know, the fact is I want my work to be nice, but I want it to look like it always belonged there and always was part of the original intent. And I want me to melt away and I want the work to speak for itself. That's, that's my signature, you know? Wow. So, so, um, uh, the, the architecture is the first place that I get my inspiration. And then architecture, you know, furniture is small architecture. And I just, I just love architecture and architectural elements. So I'm always pulling from that and just miniaturizing them, you know, and the forms, basic forms and proportions that play against each other and stuff. So yeah, architecture has got to be it. Wow. I don't, I don't do much searching online, believe it or not. Interesting. And I think that simply because by the time that I had a certain amount of experience, I had seen a lot of stuff and I continue to see a lot of stuff. And I go to a lot of galleries. I, my wife and I enjoy a lot of art. So we, we, we go to gallery hops and when we travel, we'll go to art galleries and museums and, and we'll just drive through the neighborhoods. And, you know, we'll find these old neighborhoods and just drive through and look at the look at the old neighborhoods, you know, where and, and uh, it, you know, there I have a I have a, a library in my head of stuff. So I don't spend much time actually scouring the Internet at all for ideas. Um, I can hone in on designs pretty quick. That's fascinating, though, because so we talked about scarcity in one of our episodes. We talked about scarcity of materials, yeah. of tools and space. Right. But it's almost like scarcity of, I don't know, you know, like too much, too many different ideas. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. Can really be distracting and 
and really crush creativity where I think there's a tendency to feel like you have to create something original that's never been seen before. Right. It's like, that's not necessarily true. You could just create something that's beautiful. Yeah. And inspired by, you know, design elements from, from the past that doesn't have to be, no one's ever done that before. That's amazing. Right. Like, because you end up creating something that's kind of a hot mess because <laughs> it's like a blend of 15 different ideas. Right. There's, there's information yeah, overload. The, the yes. reason these things exist and have existed for so long is because they work and because they are beautiful. So there's no harm in taking from that because, you know, you're it's like admitting that, oh, yeah, this is beautiful. I want to use that in my work. And, you know. Right. Yeah. And, and I won't say that I'm not influenced by what I've seen. Obviously, I am. And there's very little that I'm going to build that you couldn't scour the Internet and find something somewhere that it probably looks similar to, but I most likely have not seen it. Sure. And, you know, um, but I, I am, I have, I've had this conversation with other guys because I locally, I mentor some guys one-on-one and, um, and, you know, this is part of the, they're surrounding themselves with creatives and they've surrounded themselves with me. And, you know, as they become in part of my circle too, I do enjoy the interaction of number one mentoring, but also they're popping out ideas, you know, mm-hmm. from, you know, a less experienced perspective, which helps, which is a, you know, uh, which is a unique perspective sometimes. So, so that even helps me as well. But uh, besides, you know, the more experienced people I've surrounded myself with, I, I have other people that I'm mentoring. And I've even had this conversation, I guess is the point, of stop looking at all the stuff online, you know, do what I do, walk the alley and look at the cool metal work um, on the backside of that building. Look at the industrial um, fire escape from 1928. Look at, you know, the brick work, look at, you know, the way that the cornice and the facade and all that stuff at the top of the building comes together. Look at the proportions of the, the very top of the building, how far it is from the windows below it. And then that, that row of block that separates, you know, the brick in that upper third from the lower two thirds of the building. And, and I'm like, stop looking at all the stuff online and look at what's right here because it, being online obviously is great because you can travel without going anywhere, but there's so much value in seeing things right where you're at. One of the big factors is too, you're seeing things in life size and seeing things in real proportion and it helps you with scale and, un- right. and, and to experience scale by standing in front of it and seeing it. So um, I, I do tell guys get off the computer and actually experience as much as you can without it. Um, that it will drive better ideas, I think. That's awesome. And I've not yeah. shared that. I don't think I've shared that online. Whoa. You guys, besides my men- original content, besides gentlemen. the people I mentor, you've got an exclusive. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you heard All it right. here first on the Arbor Vitae <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Sweet. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the people I think I appreciate the most has to be Andy Berkey. Because a lot of the things he throws out there, 
Um, he's very good at expressing the way he expresses himself. I'm like, dude, I could get, I, I could totally hang with that guy, you know, <laughs> because, because I just see how he thinks. And I'm like, you know, I pick up a lot of, a lot of the things that he picks up on, I pick up on. And I try to convey that to the people that I mentor, mm-hmm. you know? So that's great. But, uh, you know, it's funny because actually I've had guys, I've had a handful of guys come through the shop and I get requests for people like want to work with me and I've tried it. It doesn't work very well. And I, I hate to say, you know, that they end up being a ball and chain. They, it, it does slow me down. You know, when I, when I'm sharing on Instagram, it's slowing me down, you know, really, if I take the time to post, but like I said, you know, to take a few minutes to post on Instagram, not a big deal. And for the amount I work, I, I, I can't say that it's really harming the progress of the project. The, the problem isn't necessarily that guys slow me down. And, and I do have to make people go faster. I'm like, look, you know, you, you can go faster than that and it still will come out great. And, you know, I'm like, the problem really is that I, the way that stuff wants to pour out of me online, it pours out of me nonstop in the shop. The simplest things when I'm working with somebody in the shop, it's like the simplest things of running lumber across the table saw or and then across the joiner, the part of the process, reading the grain and dealing with slightly twisted, distorted wood or whatever. Man, there's so much information. It pours out of me nonstop and I literally can't help myself. And guys will say, man, there's like. I never would have imagined that there would have been so much information on the simplest thing, you know, but, and so I'm the problem. I can't <laughs> shut it off. So I lose money, like giving them all the knowledge. <laughs> Send them a bill. Yeah, yeah, I should, I should. But uh, you know, and I mean, guys have gone on, guys come in and, and, and they go and they make their living with what I give them. So I would hope that, at least woodworkers online, they're getting those nuggets and it's helping them as hobbyists. And, you know, maybe some of the guys that are small pro shops are trying to go pro. Maybe they're getting some of those gold nuggets that will real, really help, help them, you know, as, as a small shop and make, make an extra dollar for their time. You know, mm-hmm. that's incredible. It certainly would be great to see a revival of, uh, of small small businesses actually making a living creating quality items as not just a niche market, but something that becomes more mainstream because with all of the efficiencies we've gained from modern technology, it has become more practical for a family to get most of the things that furnish their home from somebody local. Yeah. That's realistic if you are patient and you're willing to invest in quality items that last generations. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah, this, this which is what they used to do. This dining table I'm building, the this guy, he's very successful, and they have invested in artisan and handcrafted craftsman made furnishings. Mm-hmm. And good for them. I've, I've done work on their house. Um, I know other guys that have worked on their the bigger contractors that have worked on their house and they're all fine guys. And um, my metal guy has been in there. I've worked with him on, on projects uh, in the house and they're like, you know, Hey, we got this table at, 
and we want, they have a big house and, you know, we want another table for this area. And, you know, we really like your work and like working with you. And we, we want you to build something that, you know, is of quality and will stand up and, you know, we don't want to buy a piece of garbage. Mm -hmm. So they, they're doing it. They're supporting the local craftsmen. Yeah. I think a lot of Good more people are realizing that if you spend a little bit more upfront and you invest in someone who you can trust and who, you know, does quality work, it's going to turn out better for you in the long run, you know? Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's going to last. You're going to be happier. You know, even just something as simple as when you walk by a piece, you smile instead of just have it blend into the rest of the room and you you ignore it. You know, there's value in that. Right, so. right. It, you know, or you get bored with it in a year because you weren't. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that big of an investment, yeah. and it was purchased for the purpose of kind of being disposable. It's just trendy, and I'll replace it right. in a year. Or two. Yep. Well, it was kind of interesting. Is their neighbors? They were, they were telling their neighbors, yeah, we're going to have, we want to have a custom table, dining table made for the uh, kitchen. There's a, there's a informal dining area, you know, uh, as part of the kitchen. Then there's the formal area, which has a much bigger table. Okay. And, and um, they were telling their neighbors and they were like, oh, we got a guy. Do you know anybody? Cause we got a guy. And, and uh, they go, no, we got a guy. And they go, well, who's your guy? <laughs> and they named him this guy, Mick, and he's in my feed. And I go, oh, Mick. Yeah. They, so the neighbors use Mick. Who's one of the guys that I've been mentoring. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I'm like, yeah, Mick. I, I go, oh, he, I said, oh, in fact, I said, I saw the project he was working on for them. And he was so excited about getting that project. He did. A, I saw it. I saw it. It was great looking, you know, in the shop and they go, they love his work. And they were like, you got to use Mick. And they're like, no, we got this guy, this guy Todd. <laughs> and this is what he does. <laughs> and we're going to use him. So it's funny because it's like neighbors going, oh, who's your craftsman? I got a craftsman for you. Do you need a craftsman? <laughs> We got one. Who's yours? <laughs> hey, they know each other. Or I got the same one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, when you think about that, that conversation, here these people are talking, who's your guy? <laughs> and it's craftsmen. Well, there. I mean, that exists still today in other areas. Like, oh, I got a realtor and I got right. this. But it's, exactly. Let's bring that back too. I got a craftsman. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that's what was really, that was exactly what I thought about was, People do that like we're realtors, but not with craftsmen. <laughs> Who's your guy? Let's bring it yeah. back. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, Todd, if you had um if you had free reign, do you have any message or anything that you would like to give to our listeners or anything any last things you want to talk about? Um get off the computer and build more stuff. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You know, yeah, I, I do think um, that that kind of goes along with the guys that that I mentor, you know, where I'm like, stop looking at the computer as much and go out and experience things. I, I the, the computer is a great tool. It's a great way for us to connect. But you do. You definitely have to moderate it. You know, back in the day, it was you watching too much TV, get out and do something. Right. You know, it's easy to sit down in front of the computer because we start getting a lot of positive feedback that 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 does that. But um, you know, I definitely got to where I am. I, I gotta be honest. I'm kind of glad that I, I, my learning phase, 
you know, like I said, I was in business for nine years before I even got a computer. Mm-hmm. So all my critical learning was done without the computer. And it was done by by reading the books, magazines, and talking to local craftsmen. And so it is great. There's the benefit of you can reach out to a lot more people, but you got to moderate. You know, you need to grab some information and just go out and then do. And so I think moderate your time and spend more time doing and you will be better off. You'll grow faster. Sure. I think, I think, you know, some of the stuff that I dispense online really is to dispel some of the stuff that I kind of see travel, you know, in people will see something and then it just kind of keeps information perpetuating. And it's like, not really, this is the way, this really is, you know, from my experience, no. You, you need this kind of. You need a hundred teeth a on your on your chop saw blade to get a good cross yeah, cut. That was that was a yeah, great exactly, video. Exactly <laughs> that that's the perfect example. You know, and I'm like, hey, you know, all these years, you know, I it used to be that was true. You know, that that metallurgy, the formulas of the metal wouldn't allow for certain geometry and and you know that was what they needed but today not necessarily true anymore so right. that that's where i'm trying to dispel you know some of that that information that's kind of outdated awesome well yeah it's um we're very grateful i mean that's the bottom line is is we're we're so thankful that you are taking this time to uh just give of your your time and your experience to everybody so it's it's fantastic um you have anything you'd like to promote or will you at least tell people where they can find you um well my website is americancraftsmanworkshop.com that's kind of home base but it doesn't get quite as much posting as instagram okay instagram facebook all americancraftsmanworkshop.com my youtube channel the american craftsman workshop okay so it's pretty easy to remember great All right. Well, thank you again. Uh, We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us as well. And uh, hopefully we'll all continue to uh, mutually enrich each other and uh, keep being a part of this great community. Oh, well, thanks, guys. No, I really appreciate having me on. Yeah, it was fun. All right. Stay virtuous. All right. Always let your work be your signature.